This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. The Red Bull Rant is a free-flowing conversation amongst three lifelong wackos that may contain adult language. Listener discretion is advised. From the suburban sprawl of New Jersey to Rocky Mountain High, Colorado, this is a very special episode of the Red Bull Rant, Yanks Go Marking ed- Marching Edition. I'm your host, Pat McDonald, and for some of you, you may remember around the 2014 World Cup that I had a little uh, side, po- side podcast called the Yanks Go Marching Podcast, and my my host on that show is with me tonight and will be with me throughout the U.S.'s, uh, you know, appearances in the Copa America, and that is Chris Kaminsky. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, and that is assuming that the U.S. shows up for the Copa America. Um, <laughs> one game down, and we have not seen that yet. But, yeah, I'm happy to be here and uh, enjoying a beautiful, gorgeous Colorado evening and ready to talk about some U.S. soccer with you, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think you, you definitely t- hit it there on the head. Uh, the U.S. did not entirely show up they almost seem like that friend at a party where you kind of wondered where they go every couple of minutes like you notice they're there and then all of a sudden they're gone because it was very lopsided match i thought for uh the u.s national team uh against columbia so uh let's get right into it um you know the u.s opened their copa america campaign against columbia uh they dropped that match to nothing a score that chris predicted on the last episode of rebel rant boom uh, you know, they did not get the goal that I expected. Um, they certainly seemed a bit disjointed throughout the match. Uh, nothing particularly impressive. But I don't know. At the same time, I would say nothing particularly horrible. What, what did you think? What did you see? Well, my first impression was I actually thought the first half we played the brand of soccer we've been promised, right? I mean, the passing was crisp. Uh, we were always looking to go forward. I actually thought for us the weakest player was Bradley. Uh, mm-hmm. Every time he, he received the ball, he took his time on it. He stood up. He looked down the field. And usually he ended up playing a pass over the top or playing a safe pass to the side or whatever, which, I mean, he, he can control that tempo in when he was, you know, with Roma and they called him Il Generale. I mean, he would, you know, he'd play that possession-oriented style but I thought we were really stringing some good passes together and he was failing to take advantage of the movement that we had going on uh in in the play in the in the run-up play so that was a little bit disappointing to me um but I I thought we had a good rhythm up until that final third I mean uh Dempsey had that header that I thought he should have buried uh it, it would have been a different game had he had he done that and then the the two lapses, I mean, uh, pretty unexcusable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah. we don't. One of them is Bradley to give that ball away, um, right. that turns into the handball from um, who was it? Uh, was it Yedlin? Yeah, I think it was Yedlin. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I mean, you know, mistakes on the defensive end and not finishing on the offensive end really did us in. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think there was a lot of positives, oddly enough, from this game. Uh, I think one thing many fans who are already calling for Klinsman's head 
before they play their next two games. Uh, you know, who I, I will readily admit right now, I'm not a fan of the guy. But, um, you know, this is the third-ranked team in the world that they played. And, then, and you know, there, there were moments where they were pretty evenly matched with this side. Um, you know, I think I'm with you. Michael Bradley was certainly not one of the better players on the field. I think he had some moments where some of his long balls were very pinpoint. Uh, but sure. his, short, his short passing game was certainly off. Um, I think some of that had to do with, I mean, it almost looked like lack of familiarity with, you know, Jones, Bedoya, and Bradley were not on the same page. Uh, for much of that, uh, much of that game. Um, well, it didn't make sense to me because it seemed like everyone was trying to play that short, direct passing style. And mm-hmm. I know you to play that once in a while, you have to play a ball over the top. But he just didn't seem to be playing within the team philosophy to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. there's something I I just was missing. But it seemed to me that he just was a little bit of out of sync of what you know what was going on. And then with the forwards, you know, I mean, you have three guys who always want to be in front of the goal. Well, Dempsey. He's not a classic, you know, number nine. He wants. No. He's better as a withdrawn um, in a four-four-two or whatever. And yeah. um, you know, he he obviously was not going to be, you know, playing with his back to goal, trying to settle balls down for other people. And then, you know, Wood and Zardes were trying to crash the goal, and they weren't spaced out enough and wide enough to give, you know, to make real pockets for people to run onto the ball there um, yeah. in that four-three-three formation. So, I mean, there's a little bit of. Um, formational um, trouble there. Uh, but I do think the midfield and the defense, we for times had players at least playing somewhat in positions where they can succeed in, even if the forwards weren't. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, I think the forwards are the, you know, is the position that's the most easy, most easy to fix right now. Um, you know, in terms of players you could bring in and uh, make a difference. Uh Coming up at Costa Rica, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, sure. I, I think you know you're definitely right about uh, the defense. I mean, despite the fact that yes, the handball is inexcusable, despite the fact that you know Jeff Cameron losing his man on uh, the, the the corner kick is a bit inexcusable. Um, the fact that the the back line did not give up a goal from run of play is quite impressive, especially considering how poor this back line has been for some time. Um, you know, a lot of that having to do with the constant change over the constant rotation and nobody really getting on the same page. But I mean, right now, the U.S. national team has two Bundesliga starters, two Premier League starters on their back line. And that's some, that's the envy of so many uh, national teams out there. Um, you know, I, I like the way they look. I mean, I know I it's not Fabian Johnson's best position no, to play not, no. back as, you know, as opposed to left wing. But um, I know – but. I mean, I've seen so much growth in Yedlin over the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've seen so much growth in Brooks. I've always liked Cameron. I would like to see him as, you know, uh, as a ho- as our holding mid is, you know. Um, but, you know, he, that's not going to be the position, he, you know, he plays going forward, at least in Klinsman's system. So I wish someone would step forward for that other center back position. But, I, yeah, I kind of like the way that they played. They communicated okay. Guzan looked comfortable back there. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with the back line right now. Yeah, yeah so it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. Um, you know, let's go back to Michael Bradley a little bit because certainly the, at least the Twitter sphere is calling for this guy's head after this game. And you know, we've talked about it. He doesn't have. He did not have a great game. Um, but you know, what do you think? Do you think MLS has ruined Michael Bradley, which seems to be the prevailing prevailing uh, attitude on the internet? Here's my question, right? 
Because we, we've we t- been talking for, I don't know, maybe four years about how, I mean, at certain stretches during that four years, Bradley is the best U.S. player, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'd say on the whole during that time, it's either, I would say it's Timmy Howard, although, you know, he's obviously regressed the last year, mm-hmm. um, or Dempsey. But, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people, you know, say Bradley's the best player. But he's never the best player in the best tournaments. Mm-hmm. He never shows up to the big, and you know we we put a lot of blame on the on the team as a whole for the way that they show up to big tournaments, especially Gold Cup last year. We all you know saw that, and there you know I think there was some the Belgian performance was underwhelming. Certainly, the Germany performance in the World Cup was underwhelming. Um, but I can't remember. Maybe I'm just blanking, but I can't remember a huge game where Bradley showed up and he was the man. I mean, he's the captain. He's supposed to be our best player. He's supposed to be the general in the midfield. And I've never seen it. And, yes, Klinsman has played him out of position. But I've never seen him show up in a big game. I mean, I, I would – I think for the 2013 qualifying campaign, I think he certainly was the man. Okay. And, okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you I, that. I think – I also think that in 2010, he was certainly starting to show flashes of it in that World Cup. I, I, I think – I mean, I think you, you you just brought it up. In 2014, he was he was an attacking midfielder, and you know that's not his position. It never has been. It never will be. Uh, I do believe he's now more in his natural position. It's where he plays in Toronto, uh, and yeah, he had a bad game. Uh, that happens. As a matter of fact, going back to that 2013 World Cup campaign qualifying campaign, um, that opening match against Honduras, where they lost down in San Pedro Sula, Bradley was awful. I mean. Yeah. But then he locked it up. I mean, I think it's one of those things that, you know, he just hasn't been playing a lot in that position uh, for the national team, that is. Uh, so it's, it's almost like he's not relearning the position. But he's almost relearning, you know, his teammates and how to get to them in that situation. So um, I think it's an off game. I think it's an aberration. I think it's going to be the exception to the rule. Uh, and I think by the end of this tournament, we'll be talking a bit more about how Bradley – uh, made a difference. Uh, the, you know, that's just the way I see it. I just don't think a man of that that talent um, is going to be is going to continue to have poor outings like this on a regular basis. Sure, sure. And I mean, I, I I think the outing as a whole was poor, but that heavy touch that led to that turnover was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know what was going on there. <laughs> I don't know what was going through his head. I don't know what he's trying to do, but it was it was just you know. A howler, right? I mean, those those are the kind of plays that, in proper footballing nations, guys never live down for the rest of their careers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess let's uh, let's look a little forward. I mean, what can the U.S. change right now? I mean, we've seen it in the past. If you just completely throw everything out and start over, it has not worked well for the United States. So what can they do to get better uh, going forward against Costa Rica and Paraguay? Well, okay, so here's my question, right? I mean, how, how do you fix the forward mm-hmm. problem? Um, yep. And I don't know, I don't because in a four four three, where does Dempsey play? Yeah, I mean, you you go with the assumption that he's your money guy, even though again, he's a, he's a he's a guy in regression and just be, just because of age. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want him to be you know, in a, in his best position, but he, his best position isn't in a four, four, three. So yeah. if you insist on playing that formation, uh, 
you know, I can see the benefits of it, um, especially if you want to, you know, have that flank play. Uh, and I, and I just saw a lot better, like I said, in the first half, a lot better, more crisper action from the team, but, um, he certainly wasn't a part of that. Um, he had a couple chances, but, um, I don't know. I mean, do you put Zardis in the center? He can't, you know, his first touch, as you've noted a million times, isn't very good. Do you, do you make him a center forward, um, which is a little bit more of a match position for him? How tall is Bobby Wood? I mean, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> but can he play a nine? I don't know. I mean, he's he's certainly the hottest hand coming into this. I think, uh, uh, and and a good player. I think a player that that we're going to have to count on a lot going forward. And I like that he's getting the experience. Uh, I don't think Pulisic is a you know ninety minute player right now. I I liked a little bit of what he did coming off the bench, but you know not a ton. I like Nagby, but I don't know if he's you know you play him. I think he's a real advantage if you're in a nil gill game and you can bring him off the bench. Um, I don't know. I thought. Did you think the left side got exploited just a little bit with Jones? I mean, Jones is now playing in purely an attacking role with Colorado. Fabian mm. Johnson's, you know, more of a winger. He's pressing forward a little more. I thought maybe our left side got taken advantage of a little bit. That might be something we look at. Uh, you know, right side I thought was okay. I mean, how did you feel Bedoya played? I thought Bedoya is he, – he was not – he did not have much of an impact until about the 70th or 75th minute. And that's when he started to, uh, you know – Give more, uh, send more dangerous balls into the box. Uh, be a bit more proactive. Um, you know, it, it's. But until that point, there was nearly not much to see out of him. Um, yeah, and that is his natural position, right? I mean, so yeah. he was playing in position. I, I mean, I really do think. I mean, I I know you guys over at RBR don't really love Jermaine Jones, but I I mean, I think he can play a number of positions. I don't think he was awful. I thought he was pretty well all over the field, but he just wasn't coming back defensively as much. He was expending a lot of energy going forward. Uh, so I mean, I think there's a lot of little tweaks that you can make. But then who, you know, who on the bench can do that for you? I don't like. I really don't like the idea of Beckerman in a four uh, four three three. Because um, then you're going to have to push uh, um, uh, Bradley out wide, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In one of those positions, so you don't you you want him centrally, regardless. Uh, and then I don't know. I mean, you put out Perry Kitchen, you put out Michael Rosco. I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah. doesn't seem to be a lot of options there. I mean, me, I personally, I, I would go Polisic. I would start Polisic over uh, Giassi's artist. I know there's a lot of people out there who would say Polisic over Wood. Um, you know, it, it's look, this kid starts for a Bundesliga side. I know he's 17. I know he's young, but it, it's just that kind of talent. And when you have, especially when you're playing two guys who are not wingers, uh, it just seems silly to leave it on the bench, you know? Well, right. And so here's my only problem with Pulisic, right? Is you just, we just got off a game with Columbia, a very physical side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw that Costa Rica game. It was overtly physical. I mean, I thought there could have been a lot more cards. Yeah. I think I could, there could have been some sending offs, you know, I mean, it was a, it was a physical game and Pulisic for, you know, all his talent is a, is still, he's got a 17 year old body and it's how true. is he going to hold up to that jostling and jockeying that's going to happen? Um, it, you know, maybe, maybe, and I think the same thing about Nagby, right? I mean, he's a thin guy. He's a fast guy, but he's a thin guy. And if it becomes like a physical game that doesn't favor, uh, you know, uh, the the little the artistic flair and the you know the technical skill, if it favors just brute strength, then those two aren't your guys to start. Right. 
It's, I mean, yeah, those are the two that you would think, you know, these are the two that could make a difference in this lineup. Uh, possibly Nagby for Jones, give yourself a little bit more of an offensive push, especially when we saw Paraguay and Costa Rica very content to bunker down either against each other. Um, you know, it, Pulisic, for, again, for Wood or Zardes. Um, you know, I mean, then, then again, if you want to go to the experience player, then Zussi for uh, Wood or Zardes, you know. Um, hey, maybe if you want to take a page from Bob Bradley and move Clint Dempsey out to the left wing and move, you know, either Zardes or Wood, essentially. I mean, but, but once again, I don't think an overhaul would be a smart move. I think it's, you got to find that one that one positional change that might make a difference. I mean, if you switch up two, three guys, you have more unfamiliarity. You might have even more problems. Uh, pass at least to a turnover, at least to a goal, and that could be, you know, dooming, so to speak. Well, you, uh, but you know how Clinzy likes to change things up in the middle yep. of big tournaments, and, and I mean, <laughs> and, and, you know, one thing that kind of I don't I don't know if I love the idea, but a lot of fans are clamoring for is a uh, you know. Three five two, right? Um, mm-hmm. What would you think about that kind of formation? You're uh, taking three best central defensemen, you know, or your center backs, and put them there, and then really let uh, Yedlin and Johnson get up the wings. Then you could play your three midfield centrally, and you could put. I mean, maybe it just puts Dempsey in a little bit more of a natural position. Zardis and Dempsey maybe up top, or I mean, I don't know who. I mean, I know you, you know how you feel about Zardis, but um, I would put Wood, but I don't know if, you know, I, I just haven't seen enough of Wood in competition to know how he plays with his back to goal as the nine, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, three, five, two, maybe, maybe after the Copa, but I think right now switching things up in the middle of the Copa, I think you gotta, you gotta stay married to the four, three, three for the, for the remainder of the tournament. I think switching up formations in the middle of, you know, right now it would be a disaster. I mean, I think, in many ways, what started the downward spiral of the U.S. national team in the last two years is when Jurgen Klinsmann had been playing a you know four two three one, go leading up to the World Cup in 2010, and then two months before the tournament, he switched to a four four two, and I just think it put everyone out of sync. So I think right now you got to stay married to the four three three. Unfortunately, you know, no, and I, I, think, I don't disagree at all, and I don't have a problem with the formation. I actually do think it does utilize many of the talents this team has. Um, it, it's just a matter of right. Really, the biggest hole right now is that you have two forwards playing the wing, and your central forward is at best a you know an un, a forward, you know a forward who plays underneath or an attacking midfielder. I mean, that's yeah. something you can do. Even you, if you put Polisic, uh in one of the you say you put Polisic in for Zardes, move Sardis essentially, and drop Dempsey to the Jones position, and then you have uh, your offense that way. I, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I, I just, yeah, who, I, I don't know. I don't see it happening. I'm not saying I, I don't see I, it happening. I just don't see. I don't see who plays centrally forward. I just don't. Yeah. So. I just don't. I don't see. You know. And honestly, even if Altidore is healthy, he's not that guy. No. <laughs> I mean, we're we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for it to happen, and here we are. It's a second, you know, major tournament in three years where you know Altidore is hurt, and we're like. Oh, if we only had Altidore, but that's just bullshit. I mean, it's just—he's yeah. not that guy. He's not that guy. He's not. He, I, he's I, got the body to be that guy. He's got you know the makeup, but he's not that guy. He, he is. You know, at, at this point, I think it's just especially we have up and coming forwards. I mean, as much as I dislike Zardes, I do think he has the chance to be that nine someday. Um, you know, his touch won't be relied on as much. 
Uh, he won't have to make plays so much, um, you know. Uh, and you got Bobby Wood, who's lighting up Germany, granted, in the Bundesliga too. We'll see how he does in Hamburg next season. Um, there's just too many upcoming for- forwards now who I think are lapping uh, Baltador. I don't – yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, you just look at the late season or the late career um, – renaissance that Chris Wondolowski had, it's not possible that Jersey Altidore may someday have a key role to play for this team. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's kind of at, that, at this point, at 26, he is what he is. And it's, yeah. it's really not going to be much anything else. Um, you know, that's one thing watching this tournament, as as boring and awful as some of these games have been. Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of these teams are rolling out guys in their starting lineup, 22, 23, 24, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, and we're still hanging our hats on the Dempsey's, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, Bradley's still pretty, you know, relative, relatively young. Yedlin's young. Cameron's young. Brooks, But, you know, same time, there's a lot of guys on this team, Jermaine Jones and, you know, Kyle Beckerman. And I, I don't know. It, I, I see a lot more quality youth out there than what the U.S. has. And that's a hard reality to face, but it, yeah. it is the reality. Yeah. I, I mean, when you look at, you know, when they played Ecuador a week and a half ago, they, they went almost pretty much full youth movement in that second half with Polisic, Nagby, and whatnot, and Jones and Dempsey on the bench. Um, you know, so it, it, it's – and that was the lineup <laughs> that looked – that had seemed to have attacking ideas and eventually scored the game winner. So, you know, it's one of those things that at some point soon, Klinsman or whoever is going to have to make that hard decision. Is it time to leave guys like Jones and Dempsey on the bench and just give these young guys the push that, you know, they may very well have earned? Yeah. You know, it's funny because we've all been criticizing, you know, um, Klinsman for not, you know, doing enough to kind of push forward some of these younger guys, right? Or, you know, doing inexplicably including some of them in some places and others and not, you know, and very haphazard. Yeah. yeah, It seems sort of random, but now, I mean, you know, here it is again. I mean, this is something that that drove me really crazy about um, Bob Bradley is, you know, when it came to big tournaments, he had his old standbys. He, you know, and he kind of went back to the teams that got him there and you didn't really see a lot of new stuff out of him. So I think we're kind of seeing a little bit more of the same, uh, I mean, with a few exceptions, but yeah. So, well, actually, this kind of brings up an uh, interesting point because I just thought of this. Uh, when Jermaine Jones was subbed off, he uh, seemed to have some choice words for Jurgen Klinsmann uh, as he came off the field. Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely included the f bomb. Uh, what do you think happened there? I mean, you think that might cause? I mean. He's Klinsman's guy. I mean, there's, there's, if there's anyone who's Klinsman's boy on this team, it's Jermaine yeah. Jones. Uh, but do you think that might earn him a spot on the bench going against Costa Rica? No, again, I think, um, I think, uh, just looking at how Costa Rica played, um, is set up this tournament. I think they are a physical team. I think Jermaine offers you the best option out there. Uh, but again, I don't, one, he's a liability out there with his fouling. Um, especially, and, and that's one thing that when you look at the flow of a game, uh, I think, you know, some of our fouling can get in our way. You know, we can be a little bit too physical when we're connecting some passes and getting, getting things going. So, uh, I, you know, I think having Jones in there, especially if you're going to bring on a Nagby and you're going to have some, some counterattacking punch, 
uh, remember, I mean, Nagby and Pulisic were brought on at the same time within the same minute of each other. I think they're both brought on like the 66th. So, um, you know, they they were definitely trying to go for that youth, that speed, for that counter punch. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he's not going to like that. He, but he's honestly, I, I may be the last Jermaine Jones fan out there, but I mean, I'm so he, <laughs> he is a fiery, 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 fiery competitor. And he, you know, I want the guy that, that doesn't want to be taken off. I want to be the Michael Jordan that says, you try and take me out of this game. I'm going to punch you in the throat. You know, mm-hmm. I want that guy. I want that guy that wants to be out there. He wants to bleed and he wants to keep doing it even when he doesn't have the gas left in the tank. Yeah. yeah I, again, I'm with you. I'm actually one of the RBR guys that's a uh, Jermaine Joe, actually the only RBR guy, maybe the only Red Bull fan left. That's Jermaine Jones fan. Um, but well, let me tell you all your listeners, I mean, this, this guy, I mean, seriously, he transforms not only the character of a team, but the character of a locker room. And he, you know, yes, he is on the back nine. Uh, but he still has something left to give. He is a person who leads by example. He plays hard in every single game. He doesn't always play smart in every single game, but he has all of the talents. And I, for me, for my money, and this is this was true, and you'll back me up on this, Patty. Um, for the last, you know, for the last four years, he's been the best for me national team player. I mean, he's just consistent man i mean he just and he brings it every single time and even when he doesn't have his game he does it through effort mm. yeah i'm with you and uh i think the reason he's an ageless wonder i don't know if you heard his uh, interview on the planet football podcast he's a vegan he's got vegan powers so he's got vegan powers <laughs> he's got vegan powers man that's what's uh that's what's up there uh all right well i think that's a kind of enough about you know columbia and you know analyzing that i mean I think one thing that American fans can now take solace in is that they got the best possible result out of uh, Costa Rica and Paraguay, a zero zero draw. Uh, both defenses boxed in, neither one looking great. Uh, the offensive chances were almost hilariously uh, fouled up. You know, it, neither team was that impressive. I would, I would argue they were less impressive than the United States. That's for sure. Um, I like so, Paraguay again in the first half. I thought they had a, a pretty good first half, but you know Costa Rica really parked the bus with five defenders and never really gave you know gave them much chance to unlock them in the final third. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it didn't you know it didn't strike any fear in me you know watching that <laughs> match whatsoever going going forward. Um, you know, and then the other in the other group, uh, you know the. the it was always said that if the U.S. finishes in second, they'll end up facing Brazil in uh, their quarterfinal knockout round. Brazil, another nothing, nothing, uh, another nothing, nothing draw, and they probably should have lost due to a missed call uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to, to an Ecuadorian side the United States beat a week and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, so that that's uh, I mean I yeah. think that's another reason to give U.S. fans hope that. This Copa might be okay. It might not I be so know. bad. If Brazil's going to get going, you know. I mean, I I find very reason, very little reason to believe they're not going to get going. But you don't uh, think Peru's going to win the group? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's a weird tournament, right? I mean, the attendance has been really low in these games. I mean, there's not a whole lot of atmosphere or buzz about it. Um, you know, I've watched every game so far except the games today. We're recording on Sunday evening. I didn't get a chance to watch the games today, but I've taped them all. I'll watch those. Uh, 
I, you know, I haven't felt a lot of the same mojo you get from the World Cup. I think it's just yeah. going to take a little while for the teams to, you know, to get set and get engaged. But once they do, I mean, I think Brazil's one team that you're still going to have to look out for. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I don't know who is after that game is better between Paraguay and, and Costa Rica. Uh, but obviously Costa Rica is a team that, that peaked a couple years ago and they still have some of those same players. They're pretty well known to us. There's five players on the um, Costa Rica final roster that are MLS players. So they know us pretty well. Uh, so, I mean, one of those is suspended, um, Canada yep. Watson, but, Canada Watson. um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, you know, a lot of guys who are known to us. Uh, so, I'm, that's going to be a difficult matchup. I mean, you know, it's not going to be a cakewalk. And again, they're going to pack it in and yeah. dare us to come beat them. I, it didn't to, to me seem like either one of those teams in the second half was playing for a win. Um, whether it's, and knowing they they still have to face both teams still have to face Colombia, right? So yep. the belief from both of those teams then is that they can beat us. Yeah. They think that we're the we're the team that they can beat, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, so I mean, neither neither of those teams is afraid of us. So we we better be ready. They're, we're going to have to take those punches from them. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think the U.S. can go into these games thinking it's going to be a cakewalk. Um, you know, the history is on their side, at least when it comes to Costa Rica. I mean, they do play them very, very well at home. Yeah, uh, they will have a. Even if there's not going to be any snow, though, in Chicago. Yeah, no, exactly. As far as I know. Exactly. Now my plane lands in Chicago on Tuesday at seven fifteen, so I'm going to miss the beginning of that game. I'll have to watch uh, the end of it in my hotel, but um, a little business trip there, so I'm going to miss that. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be very interesting to see how this one plays out. Yeah. So I mean, I guess let's get right into it. I mean, USA Costa Rica is Tuesday night, Soldier Field in Chicago. Um, wh- what do you think is going to happen for the U.S. If, again, uh, and what's it's definitely not a – it's definitely a can't lose, but is it a must win? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, yes, I think so. Here's why. Uh, because I think Colombia is going to beat, uh, let's say, Paraguay. Mm-hmm. And then they can – they don't – you know, they can just – pack it in against Costa Rica, right? So if we draw Costa Rica and they're able to somehow beat Colombia, that's, you know, that's bad news for us. Oh, for sure. Uh, so because that, that game's not going to mean anything to Colombia, I don't think. I mean, I think they're going to be through all already after the second game. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's a must-win game. I think you got to take three points. I mean, four points could get you through the group. Uh with the right goal differential, I think. Uh, but I don't want to take any chances. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it is a must win. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things. It's definitely tough. I mean, you you, you would assume Colombia at this point is going to get nine points. I mean, but as you said, you know, when they play Costa Rica, they may not need, you know, to play uh, particularly hard in that one. They could probably rest a few guys, and that may end up in a draw for them, for that matter. And, you know, that – coupled with a, a a draw. Well, I mean, if the U.S. drew Costa Rica and then they beat Paraguay, they get four. And they, you know, and if you, Costa Rica got three draws, U.S. is through. Um, that being said, for peace of mind and uh, 
you know, going into that Paraguay game, especially since I have tickets to that game and I'd like it to not be meaningless. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it would seem to behoove the United States to get three points. And the great thing is about, and this has been true throughout the Klinsman era, through every moment that's been frustrating and whatnot, uh, the U.S. seems to play its best under Jurgen Klinsman when their back is against the wall. And, Right now, it kind of is, you know, dropping the first game, even though it was in, in, by, in most circles, it was an expected loss. Um, there's really no room to, you know, room for uh, to play you know, any mistake-free soccer. I mean, they kind of need to get on the ball and control these matches going forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I mean, I, yeah. think, I think we have to come – we're the home team in this mm-hmm. tournament. Yep. Um, we have advantages. And now we're, I mean, okay, we could say, yeah, Paraguay and Costa Rica was the best possible result for us. It was a zero-zero draw. Um, Waston suspended. But the fact remains, we're in fourth place in this group. Yep. Uh, and so we have to come out and take the game to Costa Rica on Tuesday, uh, regardless. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, why in many ways we talked about it before. I think that's why the lineup will probably skew a little bit more offensive. I mean, I think even though I'm calling just Pulisic, I, might, I think we might see Pulisic and Nagmi take the field. In all seriousness, I'd probably see Nagmi be the more likely change, you know, just due to age and stuff like that. Um, you know, Klinsman may just not be ready to trust Pulisic yet, even though, again, I think he looks like one of the best players on the team right now. Um, you know, it, it's – because if you know Costa Rica is going to bunker in and everything seems to suggest they will, um, the U.S. is going to need every offensive uh, you know tool at their disposal to break through that bunker. Um, you know, it, it's but in the end, I think it will. They will break through. I, I do. I mean, they've done it in the past against Costa Rica, um, and with a home, a strong home side cr- crowd on their you know home out on their side, I think they will come away with the win on Tuesday night against uh, in Chicago, Soldier Field. I'm, I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory. What do, what do you think? Oh, you think we can break them down twice? Yes, I don't I know do. about that. I'm going to yes, go I with do. a 1-0 win, goal to Cameron on Ooh. a set piece. Yeah, that would, set pieces would seem to be the, probably the best way to do it for the U.S. in this one. Yeah, uh, I mean, they were wrong about it last game. Now we're going to be right about it. I think yeah. set, we're going to score through set piece. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else about the U.S., uh, Costa Rica, you want to go over before we maybe talk about a few little other side, Copa side, side notes? Just one thing. The hardest thing, and you know what I'm going to say, for me to watch about this team is this fucking terrible rebrand. <laughs> and these horrific-looking jerseys. I cannot believe that we've been subjected to looking at this bullcrap and that our team is going to be – these are our colors, these weird I, – I don't know. I can't talk about it without getting super furious. But <laughs> six months or whatever into this rebrand, I still freaking hate it, Patty. Hate it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I, I'm, I still think it's better than the last one. I don't think it's better as the centennial. Hope emoji uh, is better than the old one, but that doesn't make this a good one. I, I'm not, of course, you know, it's like you know, it's kind of like 
Resident Evil 3 was better than Resident Evil 1, but guess what? They both still sucked, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think uh, we've talked about it off the air plenty of times. I think they should have went with the Centennial jersey, stuck with that. It was a great crest. My Centennial jacket I have, I love. I'm going to keep it forever. Um, you know, it, it's – but yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, I mean, I don't think Nike – they're going to pay Nike to rebrand again. That's for sure. Uh, not. I think they should have gone with the don't tread. I know that was a marketing thing, but I like the snake. I think it was unique to us. Mm-hmm. No other team could have, you know, come up with anything like that. It's really representative of, you know, the, our revolutionary spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I would have been happy with that. Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, it would have been great. That would have been a fun one too. Um, but this is but what we have. Shit. So if they win the Copa America with this uh, crest. Will that make you come around on it? Then it's a lucky crest? Definitely not. If we win the World Cup, I'll consider it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this Copa America certainly has not been without its uh, interesting side stories. Obviously, there's the goal that wasn't for Ecuador. But uh, an even funnier, you know, face palm moment for the Copa America happened today in the the pregame for the Mexico and Uruguay <laughs> match. Uh, the Uruguayan team got ready for their national anthem and over the loudspeakers came the Chilean national anthem. That's right. Uh, if you look at the video, you can just see a bunch of confused and at times annoyed Uruguayan players standing there as stoically as they possibly can and, uh, and angry fans for that matter in the stands. Uh, uh, question is what the hell i mean really anything more than what the hell someone's gonna get fired i mean yeah. those two, i mean maybe if you mixed up uruguay and paraguay's um, <laughs> national anthems you, one of the guys maybe yeah maybe you could but chile and uruguay no yeah someone's got to get fired for that right oh yeah i mean that's just it's i mean come on man it's just it's it just adds to it's what's so far an unimpressive Copa America. Uh, I guess we can we only suck. hope. America with the... sucks at everything right now. We suck at everything. Yeah. We're going to make <laughs> is it us or... our president. I mean, this we're retarded. Is, is it us or is it Commonwealth people that are running this thing? I don't. I don't really know. How does this work? <laughs> like, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's on our soil, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was some guy from you know Buenos Aires running the uh, running the sound in whatever stadium that was. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, I'm not so Sorry, I can't even read English. He's like, probably from Buenos Aires. I cannot do it, man. He's very bad. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I'm very sorry, uh, man. Yeah. I saw. I feel like I don't speak English. <laughs> I feel like somebody said, like, I think Fox might even be in tra- charge of it, which is just like, way to go, Fox. Can't How do you feel about the way Fox is calling the games? Uh, yeah, that's that a thing for me. Yeah, all, all I know is Brad Friedel's accent is very, very strange. Yeah, it's weird, know? but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a, re- I mean, the, the, I don't quite know how, I, I, I don't know it because I'm American, but I don't know how I feel about them just going with the all American thing, right? Yeah, you know, I it, it, it's kind of like I think we need to get away from this idea that if it's, I mean, 
I think for one, for one aspect for non-soccer fans, I think it's a very smart move to have all American, you know, sportscasters, you know, because what's the big, what's the big criticism of soccer by non-soccer fans? It's a European sport. It's not, it's not an American sport. Sure. So you can't dispel that, um, you know, that image. If you have Ian Dark, who I love, or Martin Tyler, who I also love, yeah, um, saying all the games. Uh, so I, I think, from a pure marketing standpoint, I think it does make sense to have to go full American and have uh, Americans out there announcing the game. Um, yeah, I think, and I, and I also think, you know, they know we're far removed from the days of Dan O'Brien, who learned soccer, you yes. know, two weeks yeah. before the World Cup. Announcing the game, for, you know, it's the acumen in this country is far higher than it once was. Sure, sure. So, uh, so I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, I wouldn't mind Ian Dark. It'd be nice, um, but I get it. You know, how do you like uh, Winalda and uh, who is it? Oh, Big Red, yeah, yeah in the studio. Lawless, Lawless. I mean, I love Lawless. I mean, he's been on our show twice. I, I love Lawless. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you totally hung out with him at the Three Lions during the Costa Rica game. We did. We had a chat. Yeah, we had a chat. I didn't get shit-faced until after I stopped talking. (laughs) (laughs) I was buzzed when I was talking to him. Whatever. Shit-faced afterwards. Whatever. (laughs) Hey, we became Twitter buddies after that. Oh, well, good stuff. Good stuff. So you like their oh, coverage on, on uh, the pregame? Yeah, I mean, well, I, the only pregame I really tuned into was the one for the U.S., and all I got to see was Jason Derulo. So I was like, eh, okay. You know, I didn't want to see the stupid concert. I wanted to see my endless analysis. So, And then yeah. postgame, I'm, I'm writing ratings, so I can't really listen to it. So. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, so, kind of, I like the men in blazers, you know. I mean, you know how I like them, and they, they do a they, good job yeah. when it's international stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And they're obviously yeah. funny, but yeah, so I miss them. But yeah, I, you know, I think it's so far it's been pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. I'll definitely be, I'll definitely be interested to check oh. out see how the, the Men and Blazers sound on their podcast uh, these coming weeks. Unless are they taking the Copa off? I don't know. No, I think they're podcasting. They're just not doing their show. Okay, cool, good stuff. No. Yeah, they should, they should be, they should be interesting to read and uh, listen to after these games. So <laughs> see what happens. That'd be about the only interesting thing after these games, man. Yeah. At this point, yeah, for what we've got, round one, cure uh, for I mean, insomnia, like, man. Yeah, the, the pressure's on Group D to save round one. Let's put it that way. Come on, Group D, give us some exciting games to watch. Now, did you um, see the report that came out today? I, I know you have your little list of stuff you want to talk about. Did you see the report that came out today that Messi has only um, run twice since he came stateside, and the second time was a lighter run than the first. Ooh, baby! So we may not be seeing much of Messi yet at all in this tournament, which would be crazy. Yeah, well, that certainly sucks for everybody who bought tickets to games that Argentina's in. Uh, oh, see, you're, you're a fan of the little man. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, in the end, I really care about the U.S. does. So anybody who bought tickets to see Messi, whatever. Good for you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't uh, know, man. I don't know. I mean, we may, we may still get out of this group, but, I mean – that's a tough, tough game to be, you know, behind the eight ball after the first game. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, it, it's it's going to be tough here on out. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this tournament was never going to be easy to begin with. Um, you know, uh, if they 
somehow make the final, it'll be as shocking as the 2009 Confederation Cup. Um, I'd say more so. I'd say more so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, they they have more to go through uh, than they did in that that tournament. Um, I mean, they did did beat a really good Spain team in that. But, um, you know, every team can be, you know, can catch someone sleeping once in a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, I mean, there's too many teams we'd have to go through to make a final. Well, with this, I mean, we'll, we'll have more of an idea where the U.S. stands after Tuesday night. But, sure. you know, J- Jurgen Klinsmann has said that the goal of this tournament is a semifinal berth. If he can't escape the group, does he finally lose his job? <laughs> or should he? Actually, we know the answer to that question. It's no. <laughs> but should he finally lose his job? <laughs> Did he finally lose his job? Oh, man. Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, should he lose both his jobs or just one of them? Well, see, I'm actually with. I think you and I we've talked about this off the air. I think we're both in agreement that I think what he's done as a technical director is actually uh, moving the moving U.S. soccer in the right direction. Um, you know, overhauling the youth academy systems. Uh, you know, getting these kids into you know professional environments earlier. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely going to pay dividends. Um, there was actually a podcast I was listening to on my way home today, uh, total soccer show. I think they're out of Virginia, uh, where they were talking like we, we may not, although they were really specifically talking about the national team, uh, as opposed to us soccer as a whole, but we may not see the benefits of what Klinsman has done for 10 to 15 years. And, uh, you know, again, as technical director, I think he actually does, has done a very, very, very good job. Uh, but as a head coach, especially over the last two years, not so much. <laughs> yeah, you know. So no, and I, I, I will steadfastly say that he has a lot of the right ideas about how to build up the soccer structure. And there's been some good, some very interesting dissenting views lately about how um, you know uh, he's really destroying a high school culture and mm-hmm. then the college culture as a as a result um, mm-hmm. of soccer in this country. I mean, that's, I guess that's debatable, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, gosh, man, I mean, there, we were so far behind and now if nothing else and that, this is a gradual progression, but we are now taken more seriously on the world soccer stage than we ever have been, mm-hmm. uh, more players that have, you know, some American ancestry in them, um, consider switching over to play for the United States than ever before. Um, mm-hmm. we just have more exposure. People take us seriously. People get up for playing the United States. Whereas you, you know, we used to be, you know, um, you know, sacred heart Academy, on yeah. coming, you know, like, um, little sisters of the poor, you know? So, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, he's brought a lot of viability as technical director and I, and I, you know, I think that he's, you know, pushed the envelope in certain ways. That being said, um, he hasn't created a in, – in the dressing room itself, he hasn't created a really true American system, a really true American environment, um, meaning uh, – and we talked – I think I said a little bit about this on the, the last time I was a guest on the um, Red Bull rant. But, um, you know, we don't – we aren't har- as hardworking as American teams I've seen. We're not as proficient on set pieces, although, you know, from time to time you see that flash – um, but most of all, we're not as tenacious. We don't run at people. We don't, you know, we don't just 
have that can-do attitude. And that's something that's always, um, as long as I've been a, um, a U.S. fan since, you know, the 94 you know, um, uh, uh, World Cup, um, you know, appreciated about us. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think you know, again, you know, like you said, so much has been done on the technical side uh, as technical director. Uh, but in the end, it comes down to what we see on game day. And I think Jurgen Klinsmann, more so than any coach in the U.S. history, has had more players in top leagues uh, across the world at his, uh, at his disposal. I mean, we, we said it earlier in the show, the back line is made up of Premier League and Bundesliga vets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got you got Bobby Wood, Bundesliga 2 guy. Uh, well, now now he'll be in Bundesliga next year. Uh Alejandro Bedoya is at Nantes, you know, and then the guys who are M- MLS and starting are veterans of European football. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it, and I'm not one of those people. Uh, I'm not one of those people that goes on the internet and thinks MLS rooms player. I don't think these guys forgot how to play soccer uh, because no, they're MLS. No, now. I think if it's a lifestyle thing, I mean, that really worked for Donovan, right? I mean, he wasn't mm-hmm. comfortable in Germany. He wasn't, you know, he was a little bit more comfortable at Everton, but you know, he mm-hmm. wanted to play stateside and, you know, I think that's fine. If it's if it's a situation for them and for their families and they put some miles under their belt, it's just that there's no competition for these guys when they're in a in a strange system. They're coming up. They're always the star. They go to college. They're the star. They go on to an MLS team. They're the star. And they never really have to, you know, yeah. iron sharpens iron, you know. Um, and you have to, you know, fight and earn for everything that you get. And I absolutely see the philosophy that says – you know, nothing is given, everything is earned. And that's very hard to do the way the American system was set up 10 years ago. It's improving, but it's still not there yet. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not talking about um, guys who stay in MLS forever and never, and never uh, test themselves at. Not to say that it's impossible to be a huge contributor on the national team and spend your entire career at MLS. Um, what, I, what I'm talking about is I don't think MLS has ruined Michael Bradley. I don't think he's ruined Clint Dempsey. I don't think he's ruined, it's ruined Jermaine Jones. I think these guys are all perfectly fine players, uh, you know, who tested themselves at the levels and they, those skills have remained. I mean, if they're gone, it has, at least in the case of Jones and Dempsey, it has to do with age more so than the league they're in now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, Nagmi, if he keeps playing the way he does, he should absolutely test himself overseas. You know, Zardes, yeah. if he can get that touch, you know, to work at some point, he should test where, himself. Right, but where does he get that, right? You see the talent there. You see mm-hmm. the speed. He's got the speed to go with the size. So put him in a league where he's going to be tested and be pushed. I mean, how many flaws did Yedlin have in his game that have been sewn up just through competition? Mm-hmm. through having to scratch and claw to earn a spot and and being in a situation where he says, oh, yeah, I'm not the hottest, you know, thing in the room, you know? I mean, I've, I've really got to work to get it and have coaches who are straightforward enough with him to say, listen, yeah, you've got talent, but you just don't, you know, you're just not the level we need you to be right now. Well, I think, I mean, Yedlin, I think, is one of those guys where I think he was close. He was close enough to make that jump that it was going to just take some fine-tuning to actually get there. <laughs> Zardes has a touch like that anywhere in Europe. He's never seeing the field again. It, it's just the way it's been <laughs> with American players. I mean, it, it's he has you know he has one of those lumpy touches. Forget about it. We will just he'll be another American failure in Europe. That touch is something he's got to hone here first before he tries to go overseas. Because yeah, we've seen it time and time again. You screw up, you're done in in Europe. 
Um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm already worried about Matt Miazga for his one bad game with Chelsea. You know, it's a, I mean, I imagine he'll go on loan next year somewhere in the Premier League. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, it, it's is he forever doomed with Chelsea because of his one terrible game that he had? You know, it, it's, it's, it's well, a but real, I don't think he's yeah, I don't think he's you know, was destined to be a first choice guy next year anyway for Chelsea. Yeah. So maybe getting test, you know, put out and tested um, is not the worst thing in the world for him. <clears throat> and, you know, there's those certain teams that have really strong defensive systems um, in, in the premier league. And if he can get loaned to one of them mm-hmm. and just see how to do it against some of the best talent in the world, I think that's, you know, a value. I mean, I'd rather see him get more playing time than be on the bench for Chelsea. Oh, absolutely, I want to. Yeah, I want to understand. Agree with you. I mean, he needs to go out and loan. There's, there's no sense about it about that. They, you know, he can't stay in Chelsea and uh, be a bench warmer. And that's the worst thing that can happen to any U.S. national teamer. Which, you know, is more or less the crux of my argument. You know, yeah, playing time is more. Playing time is most important. But you, if you have peaked at MLS and you can make that jump, if you want to stay in MLS for your family, great. That's fine. You know, that's fine. But by not pushing yourself. You shouldn't exactly expect to be uh, the go-to guy. I mean, it could happen, like the, the, uh, Donovan, but you probably would not. You shouldn't really expect to be the guy for the U.S. national team for sure. No, right. and, you know, I mean, Donovan is really a once-in-a-generation player, right? And it, mm-hmm. you know, yes, he was skilled, but he was also just very skilled in the big moments. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I have yet to see a guy emerge like that for us. Um, and I, you know, I continue to wait. Uh, anyway, going back to your original question. Yeah, um, sorry, we got sidetracked. Here, here's the thing, right? Because you're gonna, you you might be a little bit shocked. I think, regardless of the result here, um, it's, and I'm not 100 percent convinced of this position, but I think it actually may be time to move on um, uh, from Klinsman. And that's to say nothing about his performance or whatnot, but clearly, clearly the core of this team is not going to be together for um, the next World Cup cycle. Um, They may get us through some of that qualifying. Um, You know, they may, we may have to call on them during the hex, but I don't see any situation in which, uh, you know, three to five of our core players, including uh, Dempsey, Beckerman, Jones, uh, whoever's playing at goal, you know, the goaltender du jour for us is, and maybe, um, you know, there's a situation where someone is able to hold on to position for long enough to, to matter there. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't, I don't see Altidore um, factoring, you know, like we said, one for health, two for just performance. I don't see him out factoring that, that largely uh, going forward. And then you have a number of other positions to try and figure out um, in the midfield, Defense seems to be, you know, there seems to be at least options there, except at left back. Uh, and maybe some someone new would have some different ideas about how to solve the left back problem. So that being said, if your core is gone, if your guys are, you know, are are aging out of the program and you don't have any real ideas about who's who's going to replace them, maybe it makes sense to make this the time to make that transition rather than trying to patchwork together something for 18. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been a real big proponent of, um, you know, Clemson over the years and tried to defend him, um, even in spite of some really bad choices and whatnot. And I still think, as like we just talked about, technical director, he's the you know he's he's brought a lot of good stuff to this team, and I hope that in some way he could stay on as technical director. But you know, hey, look at it this way: <clears throat> Yugi Love 
he's been with the German national team for 10 years. I mean, that's unheard of. That's unprecedented. So maybe it's time for him to get out and come coach the United States, follow Klinsman again. (laughs) I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. That that will never in a million years happen. But, I mean, uh, you know, because that's my other thing is who out there is is the right guy to take this program forward. Um, And I don't think there is a clear – heir apparent right now and that's something that has to be figured out i know there's a lot of guys that you like that are coaching in the mls uh a lot of guys who have kind of been around the u.s game one way or another uh that are coaches in other countries Uh, but i think it really has to be a very good fit Uh, again someone who understands the american game the american mentality the limitations of the mls uh and um, the, 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 the hard travel schedules and the training schedules and just how things are different here um but someone also with the talent and the tactical acumen to bring us forward because we don't have the talent, Pat. We don't have the talent um, that other countries do. We've been able to. We don't, no, yeah, no. Yeah. We, um, we don't have the talent that other countries do. We just have more talent than we we have had in the past. Is maybe the baseline level is higher, but we also don't have the stars now, right? I mean, we don't have the yeah. guys who really can. Um, can can put us on their back and carry us. So we don't. Have, um, we don't have Landon Donovan. Right. I mean, we're going to have to be Leicester, right? I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that can work for us. I mean, we don't have a Vardy, but um, mm-hmm. it's neither does Leicester anymore. But um, <laughs> uh, poor Leicester. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we're going to have to be that team. We're going to have to be a team that's that's really focused on team concept. And you know, that's what we were in the 2002 World Cup um, when we upset Mexico, when we when we outplayed Germany and got screwed on the handball call. I mean, Landon Donovan wasn't Landon Donovan then. You know, um, we were we we were just a a, a young, fearless team that went after players uh, um, that, and and whole teams. We you know played together. Uh, we fought till the, till the last whistle, and maybe that's you know the plan going forward. So uh, I don't know who that coach could be, but um, maybe maybe it's the right time. I don't think it's going to happen, like you said. But yeah. how, how's that for a long-winded answer? There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, just just my two cents. You know, you know, uh, and many of the fans know of the show. I've been calling for his head for a while now. I, I think he's been out of his ideas for a while. Uh, I will say, I think he's got it as close to right as he's capable right now uh, for this side. But uh, you know, it's just, there's too many issues that continue to emerge. I mean, there's so many moments in that game that we just watched where the, the guys seemed out of sync. They, they didn't press as a team. You know, it was just, a bunch of individuals playing, and that's been a staple of the Klinsman era for a while now. Um, you know, it, it's – I don't think that doomsday scenario of them not getting out of the group will happen. I think he will escape the group, so I don't think we're actually going to have this conversation after the Copa America. Uh, and we, we will, but it probably will not be as virulent as it's been after – Gold Cup, after CONCACAF Cup, after that loss to Guatemala. Um, but, yeah, I think it's time. I, I think, he, you know, so many things we've touched upon in this this episode. You know, he's haphazardly brought along guys, you know, uh, giving guys a shot. Maybe they show something and then, then you never see them again. You know, guys who continue to fail keep getting a chance. It, it, none of it makes sense. I mean, everything that comes out of mouth, his mouth, he contradicts at some point. Um, you know, I think it is time, like you said, someone who understands the American mentality, understands MLS, uh, its pluses and its limitations. 
you know, someone who just has tactical acumen, you know, <laughs> and, and can. And that's always been the knock on him, right? He's never been yeah. a tactics guy. Yep, yep. So it's a. Uh, it has been time. Uh, it, I don't think it will. <clears throat> Uh, again, I don't think the hard conversation of him losing the group will happen. I do think they will escape it, um, but we'll we'll see what happens. You know, it, it's who knows. Gladi may maybe Gladi said, "Hey, your 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 goal is the semifinal." I mean, maybe I, I doubt it, but I'm pretty sure Clemson is here to stay. But uh, you know, I'd be surprised maybe. by that. And you know what? <clears throat> I mean, you and I have given Gladi a little bit of credit for certain you know, activities um, yeah. as it relates to world football. Um, but he also deserves a lot of blame for those things. And I, you know what, I, you know, I'm just, I, I don't think he's a strong leader for, the, for this federation. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, he's not going anywhere, um, yeah. but I think a lot of changes could be made to this federation and, and what we're doing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. both on the men's side and the women's side. So yeah. um, that's something to consider as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else before you want to get out of here? Man, I am going to go drink a little scotch and hit the hay, man. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to edit this, and then I'm going to go to sleep. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll watch last week tonight if it was a new episode. I don't know if it was, but we'll check that out. Cool. All right. All right. Before we get out of here uh, – you can follow us at Rebel Rant. You can follow me at PMACDA2. You can follow Chris at Chris Kaminsky18 on the Twitters. Uh, if you have any thoughts, uh, opinions uh, about the next game or anything going forward the Copa America, you can call us at 973-348-5329 or email us at rebelrant at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Patreon page where you can give us beer money. No one has yet. I don't see anyone else saying anyone doing it in the future, but it's there just in case you want and you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, last words before we get out of here. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what we do on Tuesday. I'm I'm nervous because it could be just one mistake that does us in, but it could be one moment of brilliance before you know we all have the you know someone's name on our lips um, for the next <laughs> 15 years to come, and that's what I hope happens. Yeah. I hear you there. All right, so let's uh, let's hope we get a win Tuesday night, and we don't have to worry about much on Saturday. All right, for myself, uh, Chris Kaminsky, and the two absent regular hosts who will be back when we start talking all Red Bulls, Jason Ipico and Truman, this has been Rebel Rant Yanks Go Marching Edition. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and as always, go USA. <laughs>